0: Welcome to the Shohaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. You know that every day is so special and and that the Holy Spirit is here. He's here to touch every life. Every person is so important to God. And no matter where you're at in your life today, if you've come into His presence with an open heart, ready to receive, God is going to make changes in you. He's going to do amazing things in your life. He's heard those prayers that you've prayed in the secret place And he is here to meet with you today to do those amazing miracles. And um, Pastor Shane's given me a passage of scripture to preach on this morning as we continue in the book of James, which is a series that we've been doing now for several weeks on practical Christianity. And James has just finished bringing us a series of warnings about our motives behind what we say and on not putting our worth and value in earthly riches, and it's really interesting as we see as James begins to conclude this chapter, he actually revisits something that we he, he began on right back in chapter 1. In James chapter 1, verse 2, James said, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work That you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. So, this morning we're going to be looking at what is the purpose of patience. I don't know about you, but I think that we all have a bit of a different idea about patience, what patience is. I know for me, what I used to think patience in the Bible meant was those awesome parents that are just so easygoing with their children. And they just seem to have all of the patience in the world and their kids can do things and they're just so easygoing and, and everything just seems easy for them. I've never been one of those parents where things have been easy. I'm a bit of a complicated creature, just ask my husband. Nothing is ever simple with Suzanne. But I, that's what I used to, how I used to see patience, that it's this attribute that some people have and that other people don't. But there's so much more to what patience is in our lives and as we unpack this passage of scripture this morning we're going to see exactly what James was talking about. So the passage we're going to be focusing on today and understanding what is the pers- purpose of patience is in James chapter 5 verses 7 to 12. If you your Bibles this morning, I'd love you to turn there so that we can read it together. Reading from verse 7, James chapter 5. So wait patiently, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits expectantly for the precious harvest from the land, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, keep them energised and firmly committed to God, because the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain against one another, believers, so that you will not be judged for it. Look, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brothers and sisters of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as his messengers and representatives. You know we call those blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous and favoured by God who were steadfast and endured difficult circumstances. You have heard of the patient endurance of Job And you have seen the Lord's outcome and how he richly blessed Job. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. But above all, my fellow believers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be a truthful yes and your no be a truthful no so that you may not fall under judgment. So in verse 7, we see James says, Wait patiently until the coming of the Lord. Now, there's lots of New Testament passages about the coming of the Lord. And it's amazing as you start to unpack that, what we see. The actual theology of end times is actually called eschatology, and it's a study of biblical end times. But like any overemphasis on any theology, if we take that out of context of the Word of God, we can become. Very unbalanced. So, this morning we're going to go straight to the greatest teacher of all times, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We're going to be reading from Matthew 24 this morning about the return of Christ. Love you to turn there this morning. Jesus speaking Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many, and you will hear of wars. And threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. We're just going to stop there and pause for a moment. A lot of these signs that we're seeing in Matthew 24, we can see across the world today. There's been lots of Christians that are being persecuted and killed for their faith. We've seen lots of natural disasters. And it's important to note here that Jesus doesn't say that it's God sending the natural disasters on the earth. He's saying that when you see these signs, you can understand that the end is coming, not that God caused them. I believe this, that, that the result of, of sin and the way that the human race has, has um, raped and pillaged our people and our planet for centuries is taking its toll. It's because of the fallen state of humanity that we see these disasters. They're not the judgment of God. We'll see what the judgment of God is as we move through this passage. And we also see in verse 10 it says that many will turn away from me and betray and hate one another this is talking about Christians backsliding Christians turning against Christians and we see I know that that we can see that today as well and verse 11 and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold we can see false teachers in new age religion that are teaching people that there's no such thing as a a personal creator that you can have relationship with, that there's just this universal power that somehow this life that exists in all things. Then we see that there's false prophets that are teaching that it's God's will to take a car and drive into a whole city of innocent people and kill them. False prophets. We can see that there are false prophets teaching us in culture to worship sexuality and all kinds of things like that. We can see that there are many false prophets out there in the world today and Jesus warned us that they will deceive many. But the wonderful thing today is we don't look at those passages of Scripture and get depressed this morning. We look at these passages of Scripture and say that we worship Almighty God, that God knew before the beginning of time that these things would happen and that because we are His children, we have His Word, we are empowered with the knowledge of heaven and we can take that knowledge and be lights in the world to shine hope in the name of Jesus. So we're living in these last days, I believe, that Jesus described. But here's the hope, verse 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. The gospel needs to go to the ends of the earth so that every man, woman, and child would have the opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, that he does not want one person to perish, that every human life is so precious to God, but we all have the choice whether we're going to believe in him and follow him or not. That's a personal decision that God gives every single person, but he wants every person to hear the good news. For the sake of time, we're not going to be reading verse 15 to 29 this morning, but that's what the Bible refers to as the great tribulation on the earth. If you want to read that yourself later, Jesus describes that. Then in verse 30, reading on, and then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning amongst all the people of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Powerful God. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we serve. He's coming in majesty and power and glory. In verse 32 to 36 of Matthew 24, Jesus explains that the generation that witnesses all of these signs will not pass away until they have all occurred. He also says that when we see these signs, we'll know the end is at at the door, but no one will know the day or the hour of his return. Only the Father will know that. I've heard some wacky doctrines over the years. Well, Suzanne, the Bible says you won't know the day or the hour, but you might know the year or the month. Well, I think that's stretching it a little bit there. There can be all sorts of interesting things. So this is what I've observed. If our focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we need to live every day on this earth as though it's our last because he could come at any moment. We need to be ready. Just like Jesus used the parable of the the virgins who were ready, and those who became complacent. We need to, every single one of us, be ready. And then Jesus goes on to describe what we refer to as the rapture. Verse 37, reading through. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day the Lord is coming. We will know the season, but not the exact time. And if we grab a hold of that parallel that it mentions there about Noah's time, there are many parallels. Actually, Pastor David Schaeffer preached last Sunday night on covenant and, and the history of the human race that God created because he loved us. And then the human race rebelled against God. And then God made another covenant to be able to restore relationship between the human race and God. They go well for a while and then they rebel and turn away from God. And we see over and over again this cycle until Jesus himself comes and is the lamb that was slain as a new covenant for us to be able to enter in to relationship with the father the bible says here that in the last days it will be like in the days of Noah we're enduring witnessing a world gone wrong just like in Noah's time there is violent abuse and sexual depravity But again, we must not be afraid because we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who's dwelling within us. And Jesus said that we will do even greater things that he has done. I don't know about you, but that makes me so excited today to think about the great power of God because God only ever demonstrates his power that he might demonstrate his love. Reading on. So we're going to return back to James now in verse 7 to 8. So wait patiently, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits expectantly for the precious harvest from the land, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts. Keep them energized and firmly committed to God because the coming of the Lord is near. And in that word patient there, it doesn't mean easygoing. It's not some kind of personality trait where, you know, where some people just find it a bit easier than others. The word patience there in the Greek is me meiu, which means to persevere and suffer long. So in waiting for Christ's return, we need to have what's called long-suffering. So it's different sometimes to what our idea is of patience is and it's certainly not a passive thing as the bible's describing the farmer with the harvest the farmer is actively working to be able to bring about that harvest so as that work of patience is happening in our lives we need to be actively working to be able to reap the harvest so in that place in yielding to patience the first thing we learn is that there is a strengthening that takes place in our hearts through that patience, through the work of long-suffering. And the other description of the word is perseverance. So we see that as we persevere, strength forms in our hearts. Verse 8 says, Do not complain against one another, believers, so that you will not be judged for it. Look, the judge is standing right at the door. We're not going to spend too much time on that verse because two weeks ago we spoke exactly on that topic where we were learning about what we say about others and the judgment of God. and encourage you to get the podcast on that. But we can take away from that today that in yielding to patience, we develop self-control. So we see that the work of patience in our life is self-control, And strengthening our hearts. Now we can see there's a common theme coming through here in understanding patience and its work in our life. Verse 10 says, As an example, brothers and sisters, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as his messengers and representatives. You know we call those blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, and favoured by God, who are steadfast and endure difficult circumstances. You have heard of the patient endurance of Job and you have seen the Lord's outcome, how he richly blessed Job because the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. So we see the third work of patience out working in our life is in this area of building our faith to be steadfast even in the midst of adverse circumstances. All of us go through difficult times in life sometimes. And it's very common for us to become disillusioned with God when those things happen. But we learn and we can be encouraged today that just because bad things have happened in your life doesn't mean that God's not with you. It doesn't mean that he's not for you. It doesn't mean that he's not good. In fact, it's the outworking of patience that teaches us through those things how good our God is and in our time of trial and in our time of need, we can have that amazing, incredible relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ where he fashions things on the inside of us that cannot be fashioned within us any other way. I've walked through some terrible things in my life that just didn't make any sense at all at the time. But as we allow our faith to become steadfast, even in the, in the absence of seeing any evidence of that faith. That's when true faith forms. It's easy to believe in something when everything's going well. But when things go wrong, that's when it really tests, is our faith fair income? Is it authentic? Do we mean what we believe, that Jesus is the Son of God and that he's with us? There are times where we don't feel like it, but we can make a choice to believe in him and allow him to strengthen our faith. Now, verse 12, which is the last verse in this passage of Scripture, But above all, my fellow believers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be a truthful yes and your no be a truthful no, so that you may not fall under judgment." Now, as I was preparing this message, I had a what-the-heck moment at that passage of Scripture. Above all things, we've just talked about the return of Christ. We've just talked about how we speak about one another. We've just talked about the prophets and how they've endured suffering and patience. And then it's talking about oaths. I said, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me with this one because I don't get what James is trying to say here. And I'm in front of the Bible Hub at the time doing my research and Holy Spirit said, click that one. So he didn't say it like that. That's my, my voice. Anyway, I clicked on the link and this amazing revelation come forth. So very excited to be able to bring what I believe God showed you. You see, when something doesn't in Scripture doesn't make sense on the surface, it means God wants us to dig a little deeper. After all, the Bible wasn't written in 2017 in English. It was written many thousands of years ago. Well, this one was 2,000 years ago, this particular book, and in different languages. So, the very first thing we need to understand, there are three steps of understanding. The first one is to understand the language. So, we're going to say that the Greek word, which are always a bit difficult for me to say, but I'm very happy it's a one-syllable word today, called pro. So, when we actually unpack this passage of Scripture in verse 12, we see... When he's saying above all, like it comes across that this is the most important thing, but when we go to the original language, we can see that it means before. Okay, and the second word is past, price, which means before all things. Okay, so we look at that scripture a little bit differently. Before all things, my fellow believers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be a truthful yes and your no be a truthful no. So that you may not fall under judgment. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing we do is we can understand patterns in Scripture. There's a parallel passage of Scripture that we find in Romans 5, verse 3, which says, We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, that word there for perseverance has a very similar meaning to the word of patience which means endurance steadfastness steadfastness, and patient waiting for the third area and probably the most important is to understand the context what context was James actually talking about when he brought this passage of scripture he was actually quoting Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and it's in chapter 5, verse 30, you can find it in verse 34 to 38. And it's right in between when Jesus was preaching about... He'd just done the Beatitudes, the attitudes of our heart. He's just talked about how we need to be salt and light in the world. He's just talked about the, the fulfillment of the law and about adultery. And then Jesus talks about It's in exactly the same way James does there in verse 12. He then goes on to take a, talk about not seeking revenge... Loving our enemies and not retaliating evil with evil. So in this passage of Scripture that James is quoting, he is quoting one of the most uh, wonderful passages of Scripture that Jesus ever taught in his time on earth and that is about developing godly character. You see, when you say something that you have to swear that you're telling the truth, the very fact that you have to swear on something else is showing that there's a hole in your character. It's saying that at other times you've been saying yes, but it has really been a lie. When I was at school, often, they'd often kids would often say, oh, I swear to God, I swear to God it's the truth. You know? And you hear that in lots of different circumstances and people can do it in different ways. So James was actually talking to us and bringing us to a very important climax in what is most important about the work of patience in our lives. Jesus is teaching us to be such a man or a woman of our word that our godly character is not ever brought into question because we're so consistent with our commitment. We have such integrity in our character that people trust us at our word. And if you say you'll do it, they know that you will. So this is why he's talking about not falling under judgment. So there's a bit of a relief today. It doesn't mean you can't sign a contract with the bank. Okay, I've heard this scripture misquoted with some very colourful interpretations. It doesn't mean that you can't enter into contracts. What it's saying is develop godly character and allow patience to develop that godly character in our lives. So James is saying you can patiently be awaiting the return of Christ. You can have a clear conscience on how you treat others and you can be steadfast in your faith in every circumstance but if you don't allow the outworking of patience to refine your character in the process, then you've completely missed the point. It's a bit like 1 Corinthians 13 with love. The perfect work of patience is allowing our character to be perfected in Christ. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing as we begin to conclude i'll just have the worship team just come up. when jesus was preaching in the sermon on the mount at the end of chapter five he ends by saying this therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect Now we know that all of us make mistakes. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all got flaws. None of us are perfect. So why did Jesus say, be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect? And this is the great revelation that each one of us can take away from this message this morning. The biblical idea of perfection is different to our culture's idea of perfection. It's different to what my definition of perfection was. And in fact, the first use of the word perfect in the Bible, who was referred to as perfect in the Bible? It wasn't Adam or Eve, and they were the only ones that were perfect before they sinned. This word perfect, where was the first place it was used? Who is it referring to? Noah. Noah was the first man on earth that God referred to as perfect. Let's have a look a little deeper. That word perfect there in this passage that Jesus quotes there, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The same perfect that James is talking about, let patience have its perfect work, is the word teleos, which means, are you ready? Having reached its end, to be perfectly full grown, complete in all its parts of full age, especially of the completeness of, of christian character so true perfection is developed in us when we yield our lives to christ to be made mature in him so that we can display the character of god here on earth what a miracle what a miracle the work that jesus has done that he would clothe ourselves in him, that we can be in Christ, that we can be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How do we allow that work to take place in our life? It's only through patience. It's only through perseverance. It's only through long suffering. And that answers the question today is why it Does God allow us to go through the things that we go through? Because he has an eternal destiny for every single one of us. This earth is just our entry point into eternity. It's not the be all and end all. He has a plan and a purpose and we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And he who has begun a good work in us is going to be faithful to complete it. What is the purpose of patience? to complete our spiritual maturity. Amen. If we're going to take, have what it takes to endure tribulation, whether it be in the return of Christ and every single circumstance between now and then, if we're going to be saved from coming under judgment, which is not all the pestilence poured out on the earth. The judgment of God is when we pass from this life to the next and we stand before our Creator and we are judged face to face with Almighty God who created us for good and created us for Himself. We are going to be judged if we obeyed him or not, if we responded to him or not, if we received his salvation or not. That is the judgment of God that the New Testament describes. We need to surrender to him, give up our own human efforts in being good. And let the Holy Spirit have his perfect work in our souls, in our minds, in our hearts. For he alone is God and he alone is good. Before all things, before all things, we are to yield to his work in us. For our character to be matured in him. Let's bow our heads this morning. Holy Spirit, we just take a moment to reflect this morning on your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that when your word goes out, it does not return void, but it achieves all that it has been intended for. Lord, your word has gone out today, Lord. We just pray today, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. You do your work, Lord. You are God. You alone are God. You alone are perfect. You alone are wonderful, Lord. And it's in your perfection, Lord, that you've invited us into that we can stop this struggle against sin. We can stop this struggle against trying to be perfect and trying to please you out of our own humanity and come under the perfection of our Creator. Come under the perfection of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be made whole and perfect and complete and lacking nothing in your eyes, God. Today, Lord, we yield those situations we're going through at the moment, that unjust situation at work, that difficult relationship, the wayward child, the exposure to temptation, where we might be being persecuted for our faith, Or waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a miracle. Lord, today we choose rather than fighting these situations or to try to find a way of escape. We choose this morning to yield to the work of God within us and allow you through patience, through perseverance, through endurance for you to do your perfect work in us the good news today is that every single one of us can be free from our own efforts and attempting to overcome sin and modifying our own behavior and beating ourselves up. We can lay all of that down today because all it takes to receive the Lord Jesus Christ is a yielding to the work of God in our hearts, a surrendering to Him and acknowledging that He is God. And when we do this, we will not come under judgment, but we will be saved from death To life. The good news today is that Jesus is our perfection. And He humbled Himself to be one of us. That through the work of the cross, through Him laying down His innocent life, He has now made us complete and making us right before God. We're going to give every person in this place today the opportunity to respond today to your Creator, to receive that salvation. If you're here in this place today and you don't know where you would stand before your Creator if you stood before Him in five minutes' time, if you don't know where you stand with the rest of your eternity and would like to make a fresh commitment to Him this morning, I'd love you to raise your hand in this place today. If that's you, I want to say yes. I want to receive your salvation. I want to quit the fight. I want to quit the struggle of trying to be good in myself. And I want to say yes to the one who can make me complete. If that's you this morning, I'd love you to raise your hand in this place today. We're going to pray this prayer together this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. Forgive me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I surrender to you as my Lord and Savior. I confess today that you alone are God. And today I choose to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can look up this morning. If you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, we would love to do all that we can to get around you and support you on your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can fill out one of our red cards and all you have to do is tick, I'm committing my life to Christ and we will get in contact with you this week and do everything that we can to do this journey with you because we are all learning how to follow Jesus together. Amen? Amen. Love you to stand this morning. We're going to sing one last song before we close.